So, hey everyone, welcome to this glorious Friday and the hour removed from when we should have, almost hour proof, from when we should have started this thing. I'm joined by the one and only Scott Cunningham. How's it going, man, other than that you've wasted a lot more of your time you thought you would today? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've uh, got the same technical issues as you, a little different, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's just a rough week for technology, but yes. if, doing if, good. Um, if you want, you can volunteer your... Um, your woes yeah but for me it was a, a little different it was just um i moved and then when i started up my computer my main ssd didn't have anything on it and i brought it to someone and they said yeah no we can't recover this and i was like well uh i had to spend all my time re-downloading everything and installing everything and i lost some of my important stuff but you know it is what it is i'm good now so yeah, that's very sad, unfortunately. Um, I Something must be in the air. I mean, this has been quite the, the year for me in terms of that, because ever since I moved, the internet didn't work, and I had to like stop the live shows for a whole month or so. And then mm-hmm. after I got that back on, I like relaunched the podcast with like new graphics and stuff like that, better lighting, all this kind of stuff to try to make it like, well, you didn't get the live shows for a while but you're coming back at something better. And then this dumb new Linux version hit it. And the, the thing is, I just, I'm just going to have to ch- test everything well ahead of time. Um, that's just what I'm going to have to do because it's the gift that keeps on giving. It's not like, oh, it broke it and I fixed it and then it's fine. It's like, no, it's not. I broke it. And then I fix it, but then every time a new app updates in this new version, that's all broken too. And then I have to dig mm. back and stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna have to like scrape together the broken pieces of my past for you know this kind of thing. But hey, we should have a good show. Um, I would like to remind you guys to, if you enjoy this kind of chaos, um, like, comment, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, and I should draw your attention. Um, I did the coin. I'm still reading coin tree chats. I can't display them on the, on the thing because the exact little browser plugin thing that I use isn't in this version of OBS that I installed like literally five minutes ago. So, but I will be reading out. However, I did manage to salvage my discord NFT super chat. And so if you're in my discord, if you have one of my NFTs, you can jump into the super chat and it, it that works. I can display that. And that's, you know, so now on to the actual like news type stuff. So first off, um, if I feel like I'm getting wrecked, Michael Saylor, that's a different <laughs> story. Um, let me just, <laughs> just rather than just start talking smack right away, I might as well actually like, read a little bit of this. So um, Michael Saylor got wrecked, but Bitcoin investors needn't panic. Cryptocurrency is real world, utility is growing, blah, blah, blah. And, but basically Michael, Michael Saylor, the famed laser eye, the CEO of Bitcoin, as I like to call him, because it really upsets Bitcoiners when I say that. Um, he basically allegedly is being, he's being sued by the Washington, D.C. Attorney General for allegedly owing $25 million in unpaid taxes, personally, right? So, first off, what's your hot take on this whole thing? I mean, I'm not totally sure how that works. I would assume 
if you had unpaid taxes, the IRS would just get involved. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty wild. I feel like he doesn't have that money unless he sells Bitcoin, but it's all mm -hmm. with micro strategy. I don't know how much he personally owns, right? Mm -hmm. um, do you have any idea or has he ever disclosed that? I don't think so. And I admit that for this being a centerpiece of what we're talking about today, I know extremely little about Michael Saylor because I just yeah. I try to not pay attention to him. I don't really care. As far as I know, he's just some like some like ugly guy who keeps losing his company money, who made Bitcoin his whole personality, which is probably a lot of people out there. Um, yeah, my understanding was like before he got into Bitcoin, MicroStrategy really wasn't even doing that well, and then they just started pouring all their money into Bitcoin, and then it like worked out because Bitcoin was going up, obviously, and then. You know, he told people that they should uh, mortgage, remortgage their houses and use that to buy Bitcoin uh, last year. So that didn't age very well. And I'm sure he's got a lot of people that are angry with him. Yeah. And the thing that like this is goes to the, the centerpiece of stuff that I've been complaining about from the maximalists um, is. So I think it's it's perfectly OK to have a favorite coin. It's even perfectly OK to think. Oh, I think this one's going to win out, and I just think that one is going to do better. And I, it is my favorite for these following reasons. But just to believe Bitcoin is sacred, everything it does is perfect, and everything anyone does to promote it is perfect. First off, it's weird and culty, but it's also very wrong. And so, like, remortgage your house. And I'm a, I'm good at I'm a big fiat minimalist, as everyone knows. I understand the idea of shorting the dollar. However, oof this thing so i can't first off the responsibility of it remortgage your house so you can basically take on more debt so you can purchase more bitcoin um first of all if that puts you in a bad position you could end up having to sell all your bitcoin just be completely wiped out but also even if it doesn't you're basically at the time, you know, it depends on the timing of the market. And if you time the market poorly and your 69 grand worth of Bitcoin is now at 20 grand, you have a giant like loss and, you know, more debt and stuff during this period of time. And you're, ex you're hoping it goes back up to that and then more. But then what about the opportunity cost of the money that you could have had by just not buying Bitcoin, not remortgaging? but doing other investments or going on crazy vacations or whatever else you want to do with your life. Like that's not a across the board, good strategy. And I feel like uh, a lot of people really like this weirdo because he was a public face and he still is right. A loud public face of the buy Bitcoin and everything's going to be all right kind of movement. And I, I don't, I personally don't agree with that thing at all. Like, I think that even if I was the biggest fan of Bitcoin in the world, I would never be that irresponsible to just say like, you just buy it anytime and it's going to be fine. It's like, I mean, you buy a little bit anytime, maybe, but like save it for the big dips, you know, don't just, just throw everything into it, like at the very top of the market. And then you could get actually like, hurt. So that's my take on this guy and his, um, you know, fraud thing we'll get to the tax stuff in a little bit yeah i mean um pretty irresponsible i mean most people uh in the crypto space are wise enough to say uh like this is not financial advice or to at least not give financial advice so mm -hmm. um 
he's kind of in the uh, the opposite uh, side of things there. So yeah, I mean, pretty irresponsible. Um, I don't have a lot to say on the guy. I mean, I, I didn't really follow him very much aside from just like, you know, occasionally I'd see him tweeting something about Bitcoin, but you know, he's like completely getting wrecked and it's like, is he saying this because he needs it to go up or because mm-hmm. he really believes in it at this point? Um, I'm not sure, but I mean, I'm still confident that we just need to ride out this cycle and I'm, I'm still subscribe to the cycle theory and mm-hmm. you know i mean i've already gone through like the 80 percent crash in 2018 and then you know bought the bottom there and i, I feel like it's just going to be the same situation so i'm still all for hodling but um yeah i wouldn't tell anyone to remortgage their house so yeah absolutely um one time chimed in and said sailor has over seventeen thousand bitcoin personally so let me um quickly do. I mean, people don't want to bore, but so that sounds like at current price is somewhere around like three hundred forty million, right? So is in USD worth of Bitcoin if this is true, and yeah. so allegedly he has not paid around twenty five million in taxes, which I mean, you know, I. I think that's great if you could just not pay that. But the problem is you can't just not pay that. And so yeah. Like, so I'm a little confused as to how the tax law works. Like you can be sued by the attorney general for not paying tax. I would assume you would just like the IRS would just come after you and well, seize the, assets. Or... The thing is there's different entities you owe taxes to. So there's like the state. Oh, okay. There's like 50 states and D.C. is kind of a state even though it's not. And then yeah. so you pay to the federal government. That's the IRS. And then you can pay state taxes. So, like for example, um, this—I forget what the state of California charges, but it's some insane percentage of your income, like twelve percent or something. I right, can't remember. Right, right, okay. And yeah. where I live in New Hampshire, the state of New Hampshire charges nothing, so you only pay the federal chat federal taxes. But so, and this was actually like a a law like a a lawsuit between the states of New Hampshire and and uh, Massachusetts because a lot of people who work in Massachusetts live in New Hampshire, they're remote workers for Massachusetts companies, like they don't even commute. And so because they live there, they live in New Hampshire, they owe New Hampshire taxes, which are not literally zero, right? And yeah. so um, the governor of... Sounds like I need to move there. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you, you have to move to the U.S. and the, you know, then the feds get you and that sucks. But as far as like, if you're already in the country, why not? But... The basically Massachusetts was starting to was trying to tax people who worked for Massachusetts companies who lived in New Hampshire, and then the state of New Hampshire sued the state of Massachusetts to say like leave our people alone, and so mm-hmm. there's that kind of a thing where Michael Saylor allegedly like lives in D.C. but wasn't paying D.C. taxes, and I guess the the it's and also where is your state of residence could be a little little iffy too like you could declare one but if you spend over half the year in another state then they could like allege you actually live there and then sue you over like unpaid taxes there so that's kind of how that thing's going and um yeah that makes sense like i personally like again i think that um if he's if he's able to find a way to legally not pay the taxes you know more power to him if he's able to find a way to illegally pay the taxes not to I don't even have a problem with that personally. I just, 
I just, it annoys me that it's this kind of a person who does these things and gets, I mean, he got in trouble with MicroStrategy before, like many years ago, before the whole Bitcoin stuff. And then he does like all these, basically, he's kind of like a scumbag, I think. <laughs> That's just kind of what it comes off as. And, you know, not paying, like, not paying the tax thing is just like, you know, just uh, why are you taking, like, why are you taking advice from this guy on anything? You know, he's not like a tax protester. He's not like a, I owe like a billion in taxes and I left the U.S. and they're not going to extradite me and because I don't believe in it or so. Okay, fine, do that. But like, he's just sitting around and this this jerk is talking about regulating non-bitcoin cryptocurrencies like oh the sec they're all securities they're just gonna like nah screw this guy i don't know i don't know if that's an eloquent enough point but yeah yeah i mean anyone calling for regulation is just yeah it's unideal i mean we recently had something in canada where they're trying to pass it where um the CRA, like our version of the IRS, mm-hmm. is like you can invest any amount you want into Bitcoin or Ethereum, but you can only invest thirty thousand dollars into any other coin. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I guess it's because like they think people are going to get wrecked on Doge or whatever else. Um, yeah, I mean, that's... yeah, it seems bullish for Bitcoin and Ethereum, but bad for overall just regulation coming into the space. Yeah, I can't imagine like them just saying like what you can and can't which coins you can't invest in you know yeah it just like what the hell like why do you like do you pre-approve bitcoin and ethereum and the few others like is the government of canada officially endorsing those assets now it just it almost seems like it yeah it's kind of weird but i mean i do see only like the slightest thing where it's like yeah maybe people shouldn't be remortgaging their house and putting it all in doge or whatever Mm-hmm. So like this would at least kind of help the people who don't really know better. But I mean, for people who do know, it's it's just really limiting at that point. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy how like um, with the, the regulation of as like it, it goes to the the whole point of crypto is to not be regulated basically is it is it's like an extra regulation thing and regulatory frameworks in my view should go around the reality of what crypto can and can't do and not try to say well we can and can't do things based on what we already decide and so that's kind of a and, and as usual it's like the regulations help nobody like who like just by saying only bitcoin ethereum these other ones otherwise you gotta like only do this much it's like well, that's limiting your potential to to like if you're a true believer in a project. Let's just say Thorchain. Throw that out there, uh, like the cross-chain decentralized exchange and um, automated market maker. And you're just like, this is a revolutionary project. This is gonna be huge. I want to put a like half my life savings into this because I know this is gonna be huge someday. They're just like, nope, you can't. You can only make a little off of that. You can't. You know, and it's like you're punishing you for being smart in that way, or like not letting you, you know, suffer the consequences of your bad decisions. And I think that, I kind of think that you should be able to, you know, like you should be able to get wrecked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not, um, it's not far from like the Canadian MO though. Cause mm-hmm. you know, we have the uh, Canadian pension plan where I'm like forced to invest a certain amount of my income into this pension plan. And then I won't actually get that money till I'm like 60. 
So, I mean, inflation will already decimate mm-hmm. that money like two times over for its value. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's kind of like a thing. They just don't trust people with their money. And it's, it's unfortunate because it really just kind of cripples your ability to invest or like, you know, take advantage of opportunities as they come. But yeah, that's, that's it's not far from uh, the norm here, I guess, unfortunately. Yeah, and I one time chimed in, um, tax avoidance is honorable and valiant and venerable. <laughs> um, yeah, and so, it, you know, it's one thing that's really funny that I learned when I wrote for Cointelegraph way back in the day is there's a very small yet somehow super important difference between tax evasion and avoidance. Yeah. And, you know, evasion is a, is a dirty word. That's like you owe stuff and you don't pay it and you're a criminal and need to go, yeah, and you need to go to prison. Whereas avoidance is like, well, no one wants to pay taxes, so you just find the legal way to pay as few as you can, and that's all fine. It's just like to evade and avoid are kind of the same thing, right? <laughs> they had a hair split of definitions just so Legality, like, this is yeah. the good kind, and this is the bad kind. And it's like, yeah, it is a little crazy how that worked out. Um, but the whole... Um, can't really talk too much about it but basically um i heard through the grapevine of some of the costs associated with you know what the bit license is right the thing that the state of new york for some reason requires um i'm not super familiar with it no so this is new york is cancer basically i mean that make that into an nft but like uh the state of new york requires a special license to operate, to do business in the state if you're dealing with cryptocurrency. And they call it the bit license. And that's why, like, assets have to be, like, bit license, like, waitlisted in order to, you know, be able to be used. And then companies have to have a bit license. And so that's one of the reasons why, like, a lot of assets haven't been super widely adopted is because they just haven't gotten a bit license waitlisted or companies that support them and advocate for them have not, don't have a bit license. And so like the bit license could cost like hundreds of thousands or like up to like maybe millions of dollars to in legal fees to figure out. I mean, just some random things I've like overheard. And it's funny how it's like a consumer protection, whatever. I'm sure it's all with the same things, but in the end regulation is just a price tag, you know? And in Mexico where I grew up, you could pay the cops off. You just, I don't think, I don't know if they let you do that anymore, but you literally just say, oh, this is not allowed. Here you go. Here's a hundred bucks. And then he let you buy. It's like very simple and beautiful form of corruption. You you just, you just get what you want. But the thing is the entire world works that way. The only difference is there's more like, it's a more roundabout way. Like, but you end up at the same spot. Whereas if you're rich, you can pay money to get past the regulations and just like, oh, well, yeah, I just know a senator who's going to do this and that and this and that. And then if you hire this special law firm, then they are really good at getting like all this stuff. It's just a less inefficient way of bribery. So it'll be a less efficient way, I should say. So yeah, that's kind of thing. So all that relating back to Sailor, um, calling for more regulation because he wants it to be expensive to get to the club. He doesn't want small startups to be able to come and small startup coins to be able to come and kind of get in the way of his preferred asset. And um, so it's kind of funny how like 
restrictive he is in that way. But then again, he doesn't want to pay the taxes that he's he should have paid, I guess, in D.C., according to this. So, and also, I don't know if, I mean, 25 million is not a small chunk of change, even if he does have that much Bitcoin. Uh, so he probably will have to sell some or maybe 25 million worth of Bitcoin, which, you know, that's like, that's a lot of I Bitcoin. mean, if it's at a loss, then he can at least deduct that going forward. I mean, I guess going forward, but it's still going to cause another like tumble in the price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. yeah. Um, but moving on. Um, the crypto leaks thing. So first off, before I jump into this into the story, um, had you heard about that at all before? You know, so only stories? briefly. My understanding is uh, he got like outed during like a video call um, mm-hmm. with the uh, people from ICP. And I'll say this: I mean, ICP was kind of like a huge flop. I mean, I was trying to really give them the benefit of doubt. I was testing all of their DApps, but. Every time I go to check them, they like don't work or I just can't even connect to it or, you know, there's always issues. I literally checked just before this and a bunch of them were like all not, uh, I couldn't get access to any of them. So yeah, ICP is its own beast, I guess. Is that, that's internet computer, right? Yeah. And then they have like their Definity apps or whatever it's called. And a lot of them just don't, don't work, unfortunately. I heard through the grapevine also that it's a completely central, it's like, no, this shouldn't even qualify as a crypto because of how centralized it is yeah but also like can they fire their marketing department like this is the most like like robot name in the world like internet computer it's like it's the most boomer and you should see some of their uh domain addresses so like Mm. the address for district which is like their main social app that like never works when i try to connect to it Mm mm-hmm I want to. I want to get it the actual one because it's it's not something that you could like legibly say or read. It's like um, let me just actually bring it. So I'm not gonna butcher it, but it's really bad. It's a z five s d dash c q a a a dash a a a a e dash a a a r q dash c a i. Isn't that one of Elon Musk kids? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but like that's well. like their domains that they use. Like you can't, like you have to favorite these or bookmark these. There's no way you could ever like tell someone and then they could get to that like, address. Yeah, it's pretty absolute nonsense. Um, so anyway, this this whole crypto leaks. Before I hit the the article thing, um, the recap yeah. of this for the viewers at home, as they say, uh, basically there's some website called Crypto Leaks that basically published some damning investigative video that basically said it basically they talked to this lawyer uh kyle roche and he just said oh yeah we have a secret deal with Evo labs with the avalanche people that basically we're going to go sue the crap out of all their competitors and stuff like that and which you know that's pretty that's kind of a pretty big accusation right and they got the guy in video. It's not even seeming uncommon nowadays. Like apparently uh, OnlyFans was paying Facebook to do the same thing. And that just came out like last week. Like to Facebook to like spread things on like OnlyFans competitors? Uh, yeah, they were labeling their competitors as terrorists. So, mm, yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, in this case, the thing is, it's like that basically says this guy's a crooked lawyer. Plus, he um, plus 
the implication of towards Avalanche and stuff. Now I kind of I know Emin Gunsir decently well. I've interviewed him before. Not not super close. He seemed like a stand-up kind of person, or at least a risk-averse kind of person who like everything's by the book and legal and all this kind of stuff. And like it just seems weird for him to hire a law firm to specifically sue stuff like Solana and stuff like all these weird frivolous suits to like it just doesn't seem like the kind of stuff, especially since he was one of the loudest voices against the dragon's den back in the Bitcoin scaling debate stuff uh, of like the, the troll farms on like Twitter, Reddit and stuff like that, that try to at- attempt to turn the narrative in the, on, for better, or for worse, the direction ended up going in. And so it just seems very strange for him to be doing this kind of stuff. Um, he did post some, something on his, uh, on his uh, medium site where he basically said, you know, this is all ridiculous at, and, but he kind of went into TTLA says we contracted with Roche for in the very beginning for some legal work. And then we just didn't, haven't worked with them in a very long time. And, you know, they didn't really have a good relationship kind of thing after that. And he also said our legal counsel for Ava labs specifically wrote op-eds and you leaked the, the op-eds calling out this kind of like spurious, like litigation, basically, you know, basically there was, you know, which a conspiracy theorist would say, Oh, well, there you go. That's their cover, right? That they're like, they're me, but thinks he doth protest a trifle too much. Right. He's just saying, no, you should. These are such frivolous. We totally don't like these while they're actually secretly behind it. Of course, conspiracy people would love to say that, but the Occam's razor thing is like, there's a lot easier ways of taking out competitors than doing all these highly risky moves. Um, it seems more like lawfare yeah. seems more common though nowadays. I would say, I mean, like law warfare kind of stuff. Yeah, like lawfare, like it's your way of taking out other people and you know getting what you want. Yeah, through the legal system, it does seem like that. The thing is, uh, my estimation from this and just looking at this this kid <laughs> who looks like such a douche, but okay, <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean. I mean, he just looks like a kid, but like. Probably what happened, if I were to, to guess, is he did some work with that, with Ava Labs. And then he just went on to do other kind of lawsuits and litigation, stuff like that. And then at some point, when he talked to this plant from CryptoLeaks, he's trying to talk up all their stuff. Oh, yeah, we're doing this. We're doing that. Like, you know, just, just talking a huge game. Almost like trying to impress someone on a date kind of thing. Oh, yeah, we got all these secret <laughs> things. And just, and then... He That's how getting, Veritas gets all their leaks. Yeah, which like I don't understand how like if there's like you know some hot girl on Tinder just saying like looking to date a CNN report or something or you know <laughs> I think that Twitter employees are so hot something's like can you, can you stop being catfished you guys but uh, it's in this case it's like it just seems like he's talking up a big game so anyway all that leading up to the fallout which is where we're at now. Kyle Roche files to withdraw from class action practice after video leak. According to a series of court records released on August 31st, Roche is understood to be no longer involved in Roche Friedman's class action practice. So right away, this thing, it kind of exposed. So just to, just to clarify, yeah. is this him as the defense for Tether or suing Tether? I'm not sure which one specifically. That was the only thing that I wasn't totally clear on. 
let me just see. Um, I don't know. I should rather than just bore everyone by reading like live on air. Yeah. We can, you know, answer that. And, and if anyone in the super chat wants to drop a, a thing, if you know, let me know or the other, the regular chat, let me know. But, but it all, you know, kind of equates to the same thing of, um, he's been essentially involved in a bunch of, you know, uh, class action lawsuits that were kind of not legit, kind of, you know, nonsense. And they didn't really have any publicity on them until this like conspiracy theory came out about, you know, you're helping the secret conspiracy with Avalabs to do all this kind of stuff. And it's like, well, no, you're, well, I mean, my opinion, I don't actually know, but like probably no, you're not. However, it does shine light on you. You're doing all this nonsense, just taking out competitors. It's like, you're taking out people like other projects and stuff. And now that people see it, it's like super bad publicity. So he's got to like back off it. And then they're going to be a little bit more, either more respectful or more, more accurate in how they do this kind of stuff. Or they're just going to like quiet down until the press cycle quiets down and they're going to go back to their dirty stuff. Yeah. That's probably the most likely scenario, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, the thing is, like, I do think... So the crypto news... Um, um, which, by the way, I have to give a shout-out to Michael Veloff's comment, even though he's not a NFT holder. I'm making an exception just because when you talk about ICP, he says, um, juggalos have their own ways. I just thought that was a good reference and instead of internet computer icp also means insane clown posse and you know the band and all their their juggalo stuff so thank you thank you agnew for that um but yeah it's a it's kind of crazy how that like the crypto world i it's gonna sound like this where uh one of my viewers xkcd likes to like think i don't go hard enough on like government and corruption and stuff like that, which I absolutely do. But like, I try to have a, a reasonable take as well, but he's probably gonna get annoyed. But the thing is that the crypto world is very new and it's past the pure idealism stage and it's hit the full on full of crooks stage now where is everything, not everything, but a lot of things are scams. A lot of people are doing shady things. Everything's pay to play, you know, like in, in much more direct way. No one reports the correct news. I mean, all this stuff that like happens in the real world, the rest of the world, except in just a much more bald-faced kind of way. And so uh, the fact that there's investigations into this kind of stuff and it's having real consequences of shutting some of these things down, I think that's a great sign. And that being said, um, I mean, did you read? Uh, did, you, did you ever read any of the CryptoLeaks report? Uh, no, I didn't, I didn't get that deep into it. So it reads like worse than like a Infowars kind of a thing. Like the fact, the way they wrote, like this isn't so mean, like I was actually a journalist and my mother was a journalist and like, I have background in this kind of stuff. But more importantly, I'm just careful with how I say what I say, like to, to be, I try to be accurate or, you know, sometimes I'm don't try but it should be it's obvious that i'm not trying but like they're just like they're not respectable despite the fact that they got a plant 
and they exposed a lot of crazy things on, you know, this whole Roche Friedman stuff or, uh, despite all that, it just seems like they're, they're just not like, um, they're just not respectable the way, like, like half the stuff they said is like citation needed, you know, it just like, or according to one source, it appears that et cetera, et cetera, rather than they just like, it's just like a kid saying like, oh, this is the way the world is. He's just telling you. And it's like, that's not respectable at all. Like that's not accurate. That's not measured. That's not, you know, any of the stuff that, you know, news, I guess, and investigative journalism especially should be. I mean, you should have everything documented. Whereas in this case, it looks like they just, they, in, I don't know, entrapped, but they, they got a guy. They filmed him saying some shady things and they just like, all right, that's good. We'll put that up and like base everything off of this one thing. And, you know, eh, it's a little, it's a little immature, you know, but it's, I'm glad they did it because I'm glad stuff gets out there, but we, we deserve higher investigative journalism on that kind of thing, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, like it's uh, partly how you say it and what you say as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Um, one time says uh, at least three regulars in the after party are allegedly named Michael. Coincidence? <laughs> Just feeding into the whole um, conspiracy thing. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's jump on this thing. Crypto.com backs out a 455 million sponsorship deal with the UEFA Champions League report. And so this so, is my favorite one. Yes. Because, uh, I've I've repeatedly said on record that I think crypto.com will be the next major lender to to go bankrupt because they mm-hmm. spent everything on marketing, 700 million on uh, the Staples Arena, like I just don't think that they backed out of this for whatever reason that they said. I think it's cuz they just don't they can't afford it anymore and uh, I, I think they're going to go next as like the next big lender to go down. That's my prediction. Obviously I can't yeah. corroborate that very well, but I mean, they're like rolling back all the rewards. They're like, they're doing a lot. So I, I'd be very curious to, to see how that plays out. Yeah. It is kind of funny. Um, crypto.com is kind of interesting. Cause I remember they came around, I'm like, Oh, they got a great domain. But other than that, it seemed like a, a really shitty kind of Coinbase competitor. And then, yeah. They start offering these crazy staking things with the crow token that then like had their rewards super slash. And then like before you know it, like they just came out of nowhere with these giant sponsorships and they're everywhere. And I'm just like, where do they get all this money from? And that exactly and at some point, like I mean, you see Coinbase ads and stuff still today. And I think the Coinbase kind of plays fast and loose a little too, but Coinbase has been is the OG. It's like literally the OG of the crypto banks, as it were. And so, if they can only like get away with so much, like the the little competitors nipping at their heels, and like I watch UFC fights pretty frequently, and you know, every single one is sponsored by crypto. Yes, every single one, yeah. and it just and they give out like fifty grand in Bitcoin for like the fan bonus and stuff like that. It just like that's a lot of money and I know they must make a lot of revenue, but I don't know if they make that much revenue and um, it kind of, yeah. it draws me back to something that I'm um, CZ, our good old buddy CZ from Binance was saying about like all these top crypto firms are laying off like 25% of their employees. He says in the meantime, Binance is hiring thousands around the world because he didn't spend any money on these splashy endorsements and football stadiums and stuff like that. 
And um, which is, you know, I, I have to, I'm always skeptical a little bit about that stuff. But if, if you could take him at his word, that's like the right way of doing things. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen any like major sponsors from Binance or, or any like major ads in, in any, you know, anything big. So it sounds believable. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, let me just make sure. No, no super chats for right now. Um, it was pretty crazy. Uh, California State Assembly passes bill for licensing and regulating crypto firms. The bill requires digital asset exchanges and crypto companies to have a license of operation in the state of California. Lawmakers in California. That's kind of similar with the bit license, right? Yeah. So the so they passed the digital finance financial assets law known as AB two two six nine on Tuesday. And the bill is now in the hands of Governor Newsom, who will either set it in motion or veto it completely. Probably he's gonna set it, he's gonna sign it because he's a scumbag. But yeah, he's the worst. Yeah, it's like his his legend like spreads outside of his own borders for sure. But yeah. So the bit license is like the biggest headache in the world. Now you're doing another bit. First off, it would be California, wouldn't it? Just the second worst place in the whole country. Yeah, you'd expect it to be good. Yeah, but it's just like the problem is there's a lot of crypto startups that are in San Francisco and stuff. I think that like Coinbase is, like Kraken definitely is. Like a lot of these kind of companies are are based in California because of the whole you know Silicon Valley type thing. I mean, I wonder if I wonder what the regulations like the big companies are just going to have to eat it, you know, but the smaller company just not like, I, I kind of, I mean, I think this is terrible, obviously. Um, oh yeah. And also, um, I forgot that, um, edge is stationed in San Diego, like Paul play, you know, edge and all that. They're in San Diego. Oh, okay. So yeah. they'd have to new bit license probably. And it's just like, oh, they're kind of a small scrappy company. Like they're not, you know, they're not looking to spend like however much this is the kind of thing, you know, going or again, ignoring all the details of what this actually might have, might include, but this is crazy. So at the same time, I'm kind of glad it's like ripping the bandaid off. It's just like chasing the last little bit of innovation that was left in California. Just get it out, get it to better places, you know, let Texas be California 2.0 until it turns awful in like 10, 15 years or whatever. Just like, yeah. just get it, get it over with, you know, these kind of crypto things or, you know, the entire point. Tell everyone in California moves to Texas and then. Yeah. And the cycle, cycle repeats. Um, it's, it's crazy to see, like, this is definitely the wide adoption. I mean, definitely, I should say. In my opinion, I think it's the wide adoption cycle coming up in crypto. Um, this next bull market, right? And with it is a lot of like the regulatory certainty, which I think is great to have regulatory certainty. The problem is you can always be certain that the regulation is going to (laughs) suck. So it's just, I think we're kind of starting seeing a little bit of that stuff. But um, also I do think that the U S is just going to get left behind as far as crypto is concerned. Probably Canada is too, probably the UK and a lot of few Western European countries. And I think we're going to see South America and Africa really soar. And, you know, it's about time, I guess, right? 
yeah, I mean, places that are open to, uh, you know, to have more crypto adoption are definitely going to be doing well over the next little while unless CBDCs mm -hmm. kind of just take over everything. Um, I just did a video on that. There's like 120 countries that have some sort of progress on CBDCs right now, which is pretty, yeah. pretty extensive, actually. And um, I don't know if you saw like the Bank of International Settlements said, all banks can now hold up to 1% reserves in cryptocurrency, such as Bitcoin. Originally, I was really bullish on the idea that banks are just going to buy up Bitcoin and then we're going to be set. But now I'm a little more skeptical and I'm thinking maybe that was just like introducing CBDCs and kind of prepping that situation. Hmm. It could be. Um, I think a CBDC is literally just fiat. Or it could be a relaunch of fiat, like as in... If your currency sucks, you make a new one, right? Which is, they've done that with Fiat before. And it's a great excuse to like not have it fail before they relaunch it. But also it's just like a, a reimagining of the payment rails and making it somehow even worse and more centralized and stuff. So the really dystopian vision that I expect is you can buy Bitcoin and whatever with your CBDCs, but you need to hold it in a wallet owned by the bank. And that's how they'll do it. It'll be like PayPal, right? You can buy it, you can sell it, but you can't transfer it, you can't use it. And then it'll be through a bank wallet with your CBDC. I think that's how they would do it. That makes the most sense to me. But obviously, that's like a terrible future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, it's kind of a little bit worse than um, than just the fiat-only future of the past because you have your bank has to censor you. you imagine like the, the central bank having control of all your stuff and then just seeing all your transactions censoring you at the central bank level. That's pretty, that's where it gets really dystopian. Um, but I do think that the CBD push, CBDC, CBD push, <laughs> the CBDC push is, uh, it's just in, it's indicative of something good, which is the government is seen that crypto is happening, that they better get there quickly because if, if crypto didn't exist 30 years from now, we wouldn't have CBDCs. They just wouldn't have done it probably. But the fact that crypto is being so successful and they're afraid of just losing everything, they just are advancing this so quickly. And the other good side, I think of that is by advancing this kind of thing quickly, they're going to start ushering in crypto faster. And so they're just going to have to compete with it and I don't know. We'll see how that goes. I have no idea how that's going to yeah. go. But maybe they'll be able to enforce things better. Like here in Canada, they'll be like, oh, you've reached your $30,000 limit of buying Doge. So no more for you. Right. Like, yeah, they'll be able to do a lot more like that. And that's kind of what I'm concerned about. Although in the short term, just like PayPal, I see it being really good for like, you know, mass adoption. The price is obviously going to go way up. But yeah, it really just depends. Like, it's going to be bad in the long term, realistically, like almost certainly I, I would expect it to be bad in the long term, but yeah, yeah, we, we can't really know until we know, but you know, yeah, for sure. Um, one time left to chat that's too long to fit onto the screen where I put it, but I'm just going to re read it anyway. Uh, when spending the crypto that you already have, if you did have some becomes a more convenient and enjoyable experience than spending the dollars that you have, then choosing to own spendable crypto will be the main attractor of general adoption crypto. It will be money. Humanity always values and desires owning money. 
The big problem that has needed to be solved is fiat money is unsound, controllable, manipulable, and confiscatable. Crypto is about to become a viable, borderless alternative money. Eventually, the best usable, fungible, reliable, secure sound crypto money should win. As the money use of crypto adoption grows and competes with fiat, crypto's value will have relatively decreasing volatility. Fiat's value increasing volatility. I think we're starting to see that already, huh? And the volatility gap will gradually close and monetary wealth will be redefined. The reason cryptocurrency technology is a big deal is because it solves humanity's problem of money. For the first time, the world will have fair money, or rather the fairest money we've found so far. Yeah, I definitely agree with that stuff. Uh, that is kind of an interesting thing about like the the adoption thing. Um, I kind of, we're trying to think about like what are the problems facing why crypto adoption? I mean, there's just a lot of infrastructure is like the big thing. And then mm-hmm. on the individual level, I think that people um, need to be able to spend their crypto everywhere, which we're getting really close to that. Um, the hold your own keys, like the backups are awful. Like who's going to write down a bunch of seed words and throw them in their, their sock drawer and that's it. Like that's, that's I think we're going to need social backups to where you can designate like three friends that like two out of the three can come together and help you restore your wallet or something. Um, mm-hmm. And then of course, you know, volatility is a big thing because your goes up and down and, you know, a lot more volume kind of increases that, which I think would be interesting way to, to, um, I think it'd be, it'd be interesting because there's a lot of cryptos out there that are relatively small or unknown that start to um, have significant volumes, like trading volume, well, like transaction volumes and things. And for example, like the Wax blockchain has like 20 million transactions a day. Ethereum has like 1 million or so, but then all the L2s combined is a whole lot. And then, you know, you've got a lot of this kind of activity and eventually it's not like we won't see the activity come and go that much with the um, with the uh, speculative cycles and you know that kind of helps out but there's like a bunch of these little things just have to lock into place but the the whole the volatility flipping is something that I think we should chart you know because yeah um, like I am seeing purchasing power of fiat fluctuate wildly before my eyes like uh, the at the beginning of 2020, which wasn't that long ago, I had I think it's either 16 or 18 dollar. I think it was 16 dollar haircut, and now it's 22, and it's just like and it, I saw it like every few months go up like a couple dollars at the same place, and it's just like oh okay, and then I'm just noticing it like some places like like a basic diner prices are just like all right this breakfast item is like 19 dollars. I'm like is that Canadian? Like it's, it's to where it's like, it seems like it's off as far as like how much stuff is starting to cost. And, you know, obviously places are like not offering certain items now because they can't afford to, they charge you for extra sauce, mm-hmm. you know, like getting lettuce on and pickles on my subway sandwich costs extra now when it was normally just like part of the original payment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, I totally see all that. It's it's pretty wild. Like just going to the store and buying eggs, they're like way more expensive than they were earlier this year. And yeah. And then you've got shrinkflation too, where they're just like offering like less, less, and less. And instead of changing the price. And yeah, it's, it's wild. I mean, a lot of this, I would assume would 
lead people to want to buy more crypto. But mm-hmm. then you've also got like the situation of like, can people even afford to invest right now because of the rising prices? So it's kind of like a catch 22. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, eventually just going to have to start getting paid in this stuff. Um, so great wolf had a comment here that Rob Brax did a video about upcoming CBDCs in the dystopian nightmare worries normies would go for it if it's easy to use convenient consequences later on be damned like control privacy etc my opinion crypto wallets need to get to that point before cbdc's come out so normies can adopt that before this transition happens what's the probability of that happening so my personal opinion on the probability of that happening is i think it's high just because like i've been using crypto for a very long time and it's it's starting to get to the point where I'm noticing people who aren't as crazy as me start to like live on crypto kind of thing. There's like, I keep on seeing like, oh, another one here, another one there. And it's still kind of early, but like all you need is like a good username setup, which there's a few bad ones. And then there's some good ones down the pipeline and good social backup. And then you can just have a, a way to like, like an all in one wallet that like does everything. And then all you need is more, point of sale system starting to accept it natively like you don't have to install a new thing like any pay or whatever to, to do stuff you have to you can just do it all through square or i'll do cake or clover or, you know any of the other providers um and what was it like what was it like verifone or whatever is the one that all the supermarkets use in the u.s or most of them do use that started using BitPay now i think or i heard something like that but like we're just really close to like all those things hitting together and then you can just start using crypto i mean already uh, cash app has crypto paypal has crypto like a bunch of these things have crypto kind of you know obviously it's not like the good stuff it's not like the real stuff but the fact that if you can pay with these things already all you have to do is have like the crypto option and just then people can use that as money it could be like overnight that things just switch over of course in a centralized custodial way but then if you already do that, then they'll be like, oh, we need an option to just receive it directly as opposed to look through these old payment rails. And they just work on that and then you're in. I think that, that could, in the next few years, I think we're going to have that. Like next bull cycle, I think we're going to start to see this. And the thing is, CBDCs will always be full of friction in some ways because you'll need to be tied to your like personality, your your physical real world meet space identity. And so you'll have to like prove who you are. KYC checks suck, period. They're just annoying. And you're going to ID thing and like write the this and then they wait for approval and stuff like that. Just the way it's written, it's going to have to be something like that. Just to get started, people won't want to do it. And then it's just like the thing of like, they don't, what if it shows up on their credit score, what they spend on and stuff. And it's like, nah, just, I want to use it like cash style. Like the big thing about cash is not like a principal thing. It's like, you just don't have to worry about things. It's just like, here you go. The check's not going to not clear. Cause it's not a check. It's cash. It works. It's like, you don't have to say, well, well, like, let me put this into my accounting. No, you just, you take the fistful of like paper and you can just do what you want with it. It's, and there's a real power to that, that I think that if people have a digital payment experience that has cash like properties, they're just going to, that's going to win out, you know, maybe not entirely, maybe not immediately, but just, I think that once you get there, I think it'll be, yeah, it'll definitely win out. Yeah. Going back to what you said about like 
we need more mass adoption of like people using wallets. I think mm-hmm. it's like negative events that happen that really wake people up. So like the best example that I can think of recently was in Canada with all of our telecoms going down, uh, supposedly from one single Roger server update, mm-hmm. uh, took out our government services, emergency services, uh, our interact, so we couldn't do debit transactions or e-transfers. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a bunch of stuff, right? Like, so. So was Canada running on the use... Solana blockchain? <laughs> yeah, that... pretty much. So people were only able to use cash more or mm-hmm. less. Um, and it was like to the point where like my friends were like, "Oh, like give me a hundred dollars, I'll give you like an IOU." Because originally I was like, "Oh, just e-transfer me." It's like, well, e-transfer doesn't work either. And it's like, oh, yeah. okay, well, so. It was so bad, but then I, I realized, I was like, oh, does crypto still work fine? Well, yeah, because it's not centralized to Canada. Yes. It's, it's global, so I could mm-hmm. still pay with crypto at any place that accepted crypto. Except you mind, not a lot of places accept crypto, <laughs> but um, yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, but it really showed me that like there's so much more resiliency to crypto, and I was like really drilling that home for a lot of people who were like, oh, like our systems suck, and it's like, yeah, because you're not using the new systems that are like already exist and they're not centralized to our Canadian infrastructure, which is clearly terrible, our telecoms. But Mm -hmm. um, I just thought that was a perfect example of why, like even just as like a backup, like if you need to have money, crypto was one example that would have allowed you to have that. And obviously cash is king. So like obviously cash is good, but given that Canada is one of the most cashless societies, that was still a huge problem for a lot of people. So crypto was an answer. I mean, again, obviously not a lot of places accept crypto, but Mm -hmm. as that becomes more of a thing, then we could have, you know, dodged a lot of these problems like from the get go, if that was already possible. The U S is a lot better for, you know, those kinds of things. Like, as you mentioned, like cake wallet, they just introduced gift cards for the U S and stuff. So, we're definitely seeing that becoming more and more of a thing. It's usually like gift cards, but like once a lot of retailers actually start accepting it, it'll be like, that will be like the big push, I would say. Yeah. And it just, I mean, it has to do with a few other things. The thing that's kind of interesting is there's a few um, debit card programs that work in the U.S. that are are being debuted because of like, um, the legal situation with around those that are able to, they're, you know, coming down the pipeline stuff. I mean, there was like dash direct had one that, you know, the partner got spooked because of some language, but they're working on getting a few others pay with moons out there. The Bitcoin companies out there, they all do so far US only, but, um, debit cards that are not linked to your identity that just, you know, you, but they're like prepaid and they're only for a small amount and stuff like that. But like still, uh, it's kind of like in the U.S. You can go to any grocery store basically, and with cash buy a prepaid card that then just has like an activation fee. But other than that, it just like works, and you don't have to give your ID or anything. And the thing is, because of the annoyance of physical cash and going through and activate like all that stuff, it just never well, not a lot. Like only really sketchy people use it, or only people trying to give money to someone else and they don't want to give them a gift card that doesn't work for anything. They want to just give them something that works for almost everything. And so with crypto now, digital cash, the digital cash to car pipeline 
through some of these companies has become so much smoother. I mean, the Dash Direct thing was amazing and it's probably going to come back pretty soon. But then even like Pay With Moon and stuff, which is a little Chrome browser tab now, that you have a little thing. And if you have like a Lightning wallet, I hate that they make you use Lightning. And Lightning was down the other day and I did an on-chain transaction, so screw that. But basically you go to any website and then whatever the amount is, you can just use Lightning and buy the amount that the card is, buy the amount in a like a one-use card and just plug it right in. And there you go. And so you can literally pay anywhere online. I think a limit of like 250 USD per purchase, but you can still just do it literally everywhere online, like everywhere. And so, and it's not in this using cards, right? But it's using, it, it's like the nexus of cards and like a, a better replacement for cash kind of together that makes this like a real thing. And then at some point, you're going to have enough people able to spend enough crypto either through centralized custodial things like cash app and stuff or through these kinds of things where now the, the, the demand there is there, the con consumer um, habits are there. And then it's just like, it should be super easy for a company to just be like, look, we'll, we'll skip past all that nonsense and we'll just let it, let you take it directly. And then, you know, there you go. Like, um, I'm sure like bill, like bill pay services, like BitRefill, which lets you pay all your bills, at least in the US and El Salvador yep. so far. Uh, they charge a small premium. I heard rumor that there's some other com companies that are interested in getting into the, into the game. And at some point, like being able to, like there's already fiat services that let you just collect and pay all your bills from like one spot. And so if you just combine that with like a crypto thing, now you can kind of like do that and it just yeah it just helps out you know a whole lot and we're just so close to like once everyone can spend crypto and live on crypto then the which businesses take it directly it's just gonna like skyrocket because at some point just like well my customers already pay in crypto like why don't I just add that to another option? And then there you go. Especially once the businesses are like, you know what? The demand for crypto and like the, the way the circular economy works has made it stable enough that, you know, but also fiat's crashing. And I think our company would like to have revenue and reserves directly in crypto. And then they just, or maybe have reserves because now companies are having reserves. Like again, coming full circle to that, that bastard sailor, right? So companies are starting to have reserves in crypto. People are having reserves in crypto. People are spending them. So why would you take crypto, convert it to something to spend that then gets converted at the business to some of it to crypto, an increasing amount? If you can just go direct crypto to crypto and save all that stuff in between. So we're getting like really close to the whole thing of like each little barrier of the cycle is starting to be stripped away. And I honestly think... Um, not, I guess uh, I'm sure that the term will start to expand beyond it, but like NFTs are going to be a huge part of what ends up being mass adoption just because people are like going to start <clears throat> tripping over my words over here. I swear I haven't been drinking. Uh, they're starting to become like a conduit for a lot of new technology, such as around uh, property transfer of like ownership and stuff. And so, for example, if your car title is an NFT, and every single time you go to get get a mechanic to fix it, they interact with their with the smart contract there and update, you know, with each single repair you do, and it just 
that's your title and you just got all this kind of stuff programmed in immutably and then you just are shopping for a car and you just look on the marketplace and it goes all right this is the car with these parameters you get to see all right i like that and you just buy it direct and it just transfers the title like right over to you and the title lets you because it's a token gated uh car starter and it just the the title lets you into the car and so it's literally in a lot somewhere and you just like buy the nft on your lunch break and just show up and just drive off with it and it automatically you know the car dealership is just an nft marketplace and they take a little bit of a fee for being the middleman on this kind of transaction it's like so many people so many I mean, on the sad part, I guess, so many jobs are being destroyed in that, but it's like a creative destruction, right? But so many middlemen are cut out of that thing, but you need crypto to do that. And like the fiat to crypto thing is just annoying. So what if you just like have Ether or Matic or whatever the hell, you can just go right into that. Like, I think that the fact that the new, um, I guess, economic world is being built around smart contracts and NFTs and stuff like that, and you like the fact that that's kind of the way it is. You can't, we're going to want native tokens to be able to um, interact with that stuff to buy and sell it. And then having fiat to then you have to buy ether to like load up your MetaMask to like buy your do your real estate transaction or whatever. It's like now nah, everyone just wants the wants the ETH, for example, to begin with. They don't want to have to go through that. So I think that like already the way we're like companies owning crypto, individuals owning crypto fiat sucking and then trying to spend the in-between and just every barrier you break down just makes sense more and more sense but then especially if it's not even that just like the the actual doing of business is done in this realm then it just like it makes perfect sense to just start to not even just like break down certain barriers but just like go from crypto to using the crypto to do your economic activity to then you just get crypto you just have no reason to ever leave the matrix as it were so maybe yeah. the narrative we need is um cut out your e-waste and be more environmentally friendly by only using crypto and not converting back and forth and mm -hmm. wasting electricity with all those unnecessary extra transactions maybe that's the way that we get people to actually do that yeah we could or we could just like i don't know just company here's the thing this is why it's going to be it's going to end up existing in um other countries first maybe maybe it's going to be in places like the u.s first because i mean they already did sell a house for an nft in florida somewhere but um maybe it's just that i remember um reading i don't remember i don't think i actually got the whole way through the book but there's a hernando de soto the I think he's a Nobel Prize winning economist. So he's a famous economist. I don't remember if you want anything for it, but he wrote a book called The Mystery of Capital, which the tagline is, why does capitalism succeed in the West but fails everywhere else? And long story short, it's that property rights and titles to land, because if you, like everyone just kind of lives somewhere, has cows or whatever in like the developing world, but you don't have title to land. You can't take a loan using that as collateral to then invest and build in a business and that's one reason why microloans are some of those biggest things that people talk about as far as you know helping out the developing world but if you just migrate because you already don't have to migrate your title to an nft because you don't have a title you just have your cow but if you mint an nft saying yo that's my cow <laughs> then now you can for example use that to like 
you could take like a, a, a collateralized loan using your NFT title of your cow and get like some ETH loan on top of that and then use that to buy some other stuff and then like lose it all in sushi swap or whatever <laughs> you know however it ends up turning out you can just jump to this system this modernization of systems that you leapfrog over the old kind of system and so and at some point you want to like do, do business with from the developed world to the developing world and you're going to have to actually like modernize to, to reach them on that and so yeah that'll be interesting yeah yeah for sure i mean yeah i mean i think it's gonna probably happen in uh in other countries first that are more like i mean when i was looking at cbdc's to me it seemed like the countries that are already launching them are probably going to be the ones that are going to be way ahead in a lot of this stuff um mm -hmm. and i mean like and as you said too with like property rates like even in china like you only buy a hundred year lease on the property that you buy you don't actually own the property so even somewhere like there you don't even have true property ownership and that's why they buy property everywhere else um, yeah but uh, yeah like to be fair countries, in, at least in the u.s you do everywhere pretty much you pay property taxes and if you don't pay property taxes yeah. they do take your thing so you do own it but you kind of rent own sort of <laughs> yeah no no that's true that's true mm. yeah i mean taxes yeah, that'll, that'll always be something in the in the back of the mind. Death there, and taxes, really... right? Death and taxes, yeah. Uh, let me hit to the final comment from one time. He says, I own an NFT, bitches. And that's very important on this thing because um, all these super chats are for people who own some of my NFTs. Um, I'm going to switch to the NFT screen right here. So, eh, no, that's the wrong one. Here we go. So, I had someone make this cool little, you know, little logo thing. And so I minted hundred NFTs of this on the wax blockchain. And that's just like the, the first hundred supporter kind of thing. And anyone who buys one of these hundred bucks, hundred of them, right? If anyone buys one of these, you can just get into my discord. The discord bot checks to see if you have the NFT. And then if you do, you get access to all these channels. If you sell it or if you get rid of it, then it just, removes access automatically by checking if you have the nft in your wallet and the cool thing about this it's not just like oh you buy like a subscribership thingy it's just like first off it's like one and done but second mm -hmm. you can sell it on secondary marketplaces so it's like oh i like this guy's channel and you buy it and you're like a few months in you're like dude this guy's stream is always sucking he won't stop using linux and it's just ruining the experience i'm done with this guy and then you can just like resell it Maybe at a loss, but maybe at profit. I don't know. You could resell, let's just say in this case, at a loss for like 50. So you only paid half for this time and you got half of it back by reselling it later. And I don't have to be part of this transaction at all. Or you could be, you know what, this guy, this guy seems, he's a little rough around the edges. As soon as he figure out, figures out a stream and makes him not crash all the time and stuff and not be late, this guy's going to go to the moon. He's going to be the next Bitpoy, but not in a, not in a bad way. <laughs> and yeah, I was going to say like the recent, uh, <laughs> suing. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm going to buy this as a steal for a hundred because he's going to charge way more for these kinds of things that feature. So I'm going to buy w like one of these or five of these or whatever. And then let's just say five for the example, because I like to put positive images of people buying all my shit in people's minds, but you spend $500 on that. And then you sell them out for a 10x for like 5k and so you make 4500 profit in the future because you get to speculate on it so it's kind of like an interesting component to add to just 
buying super chats. So um, these are the ones I'm selling, and there's a link in the description about that. But I don't know if you see how quickly the stream updates for you, but um, I present one of these ones with the magic golden microphone to everyone who's on the stream. Uh, as soon as you get your wax wallet up and going, I'm going to send you one of these. And it is all the same privileges and rights on all that kind of stuff to um, to get into the Discord and join the Super Chats and stuff. Because I figure if I, I don't want to pay people to be on my show, but I can give them something. So there you go. Congratulations. Yay, you're number whatever, four or five of like, I don't remember how many have done it, but I'm not going to make any more of these than there are people are on the show. Sure. Uh, and um, yeah, it's funny because Herman's in the, in the non, in the live chat says, FY, there's now a screensaver showing on the YouTube screen. <laughs> and then he says, ah, okay. Because he understands I'm just explaining what that whole thing is. Um, well, anyway, it's chilling hour now for you. Uh, what kind of stuff do you want to shell other than your ability to have more consistent um, uptime and release schedule than yeah me. yeah um i guess my my next big thing is uh i'm finally going to do my blockchain uh social platform review that i usually do once a year but i've been pretty slacking on it um, yeah keep getting more and more recommendations and i keep going back and then i have to do updates and stuff so that's my next like big thing i want to do it this month for sure Mm. Um, so people can definitely tune into that and see all the different blockchain social platforms and crypto monetized social platforms that are out there. Um, you can find me at, at Scott C business everywhere. Um, or you can look up crypto and things. I have a podcast mm -hmm. and all that stuff on Spotify and Apple and everywhere that you can find podcasts. So you guys can follow me there and check that out. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to talk about uh, Celsius, but uh, well, that's a whole other uh, that's a whole other <laughs> thing there. I mean, lenders are pretty bad. I've uh, been going after talking about lenders a lot lately too. But yeah, go and check out my stuff. Um, Do you have a video on Celsius recently? Like uh, well, I did some. Uh, I did like a thing on lenders going bankrupt, and then mm -hmm. also like reviewing lenders and. I included Celsius and all that stuff in there mm -hmm. as well, where I was basically just like, yeah, I mean, I said this a long time ago that you shouldn't use lenders because simply because you have to put your crypto on their platform. Mm -hmm. It was the reason that I didn't invest in uh, Terra Luna because yeah. the anchor protocol required you to deposit. Mm -hmm. I said, that's not a good idea. And, you know, here we are. So um, I'm always going to be consistent with that uh with with that with that line of thought but yeah so you guys can check out that stuff um i'm gonna try to post more now that i've got everything squared away i'm gonna be trying to do at least eight videos a month but uh yeah i have a bunch of things that i want to want to get done so definitely uh stay tuned for that yeah absolutely well one of these days everything's gonna work smoothly here um but that day is not today apparently but i will catch up on I'll, I'll have to have like backups to everything in fact i do have a spare computer here and maybe i'll just make sure it's always running on like you know what is it like a month older stuff or a few weeks older stuff just in case everything gets broken and kind of you know build in some redundancy it's a little it's a nice little censorship resistance and decentralization lesson for for me who advocates for all this stuff but anyway uh thanks everyone for watching 
Um, thank you, for Super Shatters, for jumping in there and saying fun stuff. Get my NFTs or come on the show and I'll, I'll make you one and send it to you. And yeah, until next week, uh, have a good weekend back, guys and girls.